Welcome to our Essence to Essence Insights um, series um, based on Dr. Zelenko's book, um, Essence to Essence. Uh, this is Saratova Best. In the past year, we talked about Aleph and meditating on the Aleph, and we always want to repeat this is sort of a training course for, um, I think, him showing us what it is that he spent his life learning, or let's say his days after Tuva learning, that enabled him to step into a life of, what would we say, nobility, bravery, and uh, determination, um, and healing. So that's where we're up to now. And this chapter is called Blunt His Teeth. Everybody knows the story from the Pesach Agada that there are many different, there are four different sons, and they ask questions, and there's one that's considered the wicked son. So... Here's the question. Who is he? What does he have to do with me? And really, you can say that all four of those sons, you know, there's a simple one and the wise one and the wicked one and the, um, I forget all the four sons, but they're all, it's not just four different kinds of people and four different kinds of kids, but four different parts of ourselves. And there are moments in life when we're very wise there are moments in life when we're very rebellious or disconnected. And there are moments when, you know, we're asking very simple questions. And there are moments when we really don't even know what to look for to, to question or to ask about. We're just kind of lost. But the, so to speak, the wicked son, maybe for us, that part in us in which we just feel really disconnected. Because the, the wicked son asks, you know, with this kind of, cynical voice like what is all this stuff for you you know this is your thing it's not my thing you know what what are all these mitzvahs? you know what is this stuff for you what what are all these things that you do what are all these mitzvahs that you do which sounds very bad but if we understand that he is also within us I think everybody can relate to those moments when you're just really tired really hungry and just like whatever <laughs> You know, just like, okay, well, what, 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 just impatient, annoyed, just, I don't know, I have to go to sleep, or I need to eat something, or I, I have to run, or I'm busy, or, and it's not our finest moment, <laughs> you know, and we kind of feel disconnected. We don't feel deeply in the zone connected to Hashem. We're just like, what, what, what do you want, what, what, what do you want? <laughs> disconnected. So we may not be being wicked, God forbid, being evil, bad, the Russia, but we're just feeling disconnected. And in the Haggadah, it says what we do is we blunt his teeth. Or when it comes to ourselves, when we feel disconnected, and yeah, what, I don't know, I'm tired, leave me alone. When we feel disconnected and not shining with the fullest unity in our incredible oneness with Hashem, but we're just kind of, I don't know, talk to me in the morning. I'm too tired. That kind of mood. So the answer is, what do we do then? Blunt our teeth. We have to blunt the teeth of that disconnected part of ourselves. So what we're going to discuss, maybe in the next audio after this one, what blunting your teeth means. But before, what do you have to do to blunt your teeth? I guess you have to go to the dentist. 
or maybe not, obviously not. This is not an ad for a dentist. So what is it all about? So we have to go backwards a bit, <clears throat> and we have to look at the following. In this chapter where Dr. Zelenko is talking about blunted teeth, he says the following. When something's connected to its source, it reflects the essence of the source, and it can't be corrupted. So imagine water in its source, a wellspring. Because it's actually connected to the, the wellspring, connected to the source, believe it or not, it can't be corrupted. Why? Um, that's a whole other discussion. But something that is something in its source, the source of something cannot be corrupted. Probably, probably, partly because it's it's the source. It's constantly being renewed, fresh, brand new. Oops, fresh, brand new, constantly coming from a live place. It's not, you know, prepared. It's not uh, re repetition. It's the real, real, real thing. And the real, real, real thing is never corruptible, cannot be defiled. And it's interesting. Somebody was saying recently that if you look at kids who are struggling, you know, somewhat with their ashkafas, they you'll notice that they um, – they'll be attracted to certain kinds of people and certain things, and we feel like, oh, terrible, what are they doing? But he said one of the things is you see that they have a very deep sense of who is being real and who is not being real. And when they see people doing things that maybe they'll watch an acrobat doing his acrobat or something, or somebody doing his uh, special, you know, he's riding on a particular kind of bike or he's doing something, but he's fully alive and in it, then they're um, they're just pulled in that direction. You know, I always tell the <laughs> I always tell the example of for some reason, um, Hasidic teachers always men. They're just mesmerized by the garbage truck. <laughs> Whatever it is, they just you just see them sometimes. They just they just get stuck and they're just watching and watching and watching. Whatever that's all about, the workings of things. And there's something about the male psyche that watching things being built is just um, fascinating. It's kind of being created in at that moment. So, again, something at its source is real. It's alive. And it can't... I guess when something can be corrupted, that's because it's not alive anymore. So, something that's not alive anymore can be defiled and corrupted. Something that's fully alive, perhaps, cannot be defiled. So, no, let's go to ourselves. The root of the neshama comes from the essence of Hashem. That's the source. As he says, as he says in the book, we're considered chip off the old block. And therefore, the neshama, which is one with in its source with Hashem, is resistant to tumult, to corruption. Can't be corrupted. And sometimes we call it the pintaliyid. And it's always connected to its source, and it reflects the purity and the holiness of the source. Now, so how come we'll see people doing things that are the opposite? If the neshama of the yid cannot be corrupted, how do we see yidin doing, God forbid, corrupting things? And the answer is very simple. First of all, we're a neshama in a body. 
So that's part of the answer. But the Neshama has a, as he calls it, a querulous relationship with the body. Because the revealed parts of the Neshama are associated with the body. But, this, as I'm reading his words, the source of the soul is associated with the body in direct and encompassing fashion. In other words, let's say it in simple words. You have two parts of your Neshama. You have the aspect of your Neshama, which is in your body, and the aspect of your Neshama, which hovers outside of your body. How much that and how much that, I don't know. But the part of the Neshama that's deeply connected to the body, that which is what keeps people alive. It's called, you know, keep body and soul together. Keeping body and soul together means the person's alive. When the neshama is in the body, the person's alive. And which part of the neshama? It's called the three parts of nefesh ruch neshama. And, um, and, then there, and then there are two other parts of the neshama that hover outside of the body. So the nefesh, now these three lower parts, is connected to the blood of the body. The ruach and neshama are through the heart and the mind. And these three levels of the neshama have forces that are pulling them apart from each other and from the body. Which is interesting. I, I don't know that I can explain this, but the chaya is, so when we're talking about the part of the neshama that enables us to do superhuman things, things that we don't recognize ourselves as doing. That's the chayim yichida. People would give their lives al kiddush Hashem. Simple people. People that no one expected that of. And to this day, it happens all the time. People are, people can be driving down the street on Yom Kippur, eating a cheeseburger, all that other stuff. And when somebody stops them and challenges them and says, bow down to the Salem or something else, whatever, whatever hits their neshama, that, uh, which becomes, um, which, whatever their neshama feels is unthinkable, they will be ready to give their lives al Kiddush Hashem. Although, <laughs> it's Yom Kippur and they're driving down the street <laughs> and they're eating a cheeseburger, etc. Because the part of the neshama that's connected to the body, is one thing. And somehow it is not preventing them from driving down the street on Yom Kippur eating a cheeseburger. But the part of the neshama above the body, hovering above the body, will not let them disconnect from Hashem. The part that doesn't let us disconnect from Hashem is the Chaim Nishida. So, those are the parts that change everything. So, um, the Talmud speaks about the level of Chaya as the first and closest to the body. Okay, so here's the thing. The essence of the Neshama is always one with the essence of Hashem. That's what the book is talking about, essence to essence. Yechidu yechidcha. And that's why it says the candle of Hashem is the soul of man. Ner Hashem nishma adam. And we, we said in the last audio, when Hashem began the world, the beginning was thinking about us. So, 
this level of the neshama provides the what he calls the hidden matrix for the other four levels of the neshama. Without having the yechida, all the other levels of the neshama would be irrelevant. Now, think about this for a second. And I want to go into something that's really very amazing. So think about that. You have five levels of the neshama, and one of them, called the yechida, enables you to do things that will totally surprise you. You would be ready at that level of yechida, every single yid is ready to give their life to Al-Kiddush Shem. And in this generation, that's not what Teresa Chassidah says, the Shem Tov teaches us. The Avaidah now is to live Kiddush Hashem. From where do you live Kiddush Hashem? Those people who were ready to give their lives to Al-Kiddush Hashem, it came from the part of the neshama called the yechida. Now, we're being asked to live Kiddush Hashem from that place, same place of Yechida. So without the Yechida, so that's our Avaida now, and without that Yechida, all the other levels of the Neshama, Chayi, Neshama, Ruach, and Nefesh, would be completely, would incomplete and irrelevant. It keeps, it makes the whole thing work. What makes a Yid into a Yid? What, the fact that he walks around with a better code of, 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 of rules, a better morality, he's, you know, sticks with his own kind. What what what, de- what defines a yid when you think about it? What defines a yid? Well, they eat locks. They eat locks and bagels. That's not the definition of a yid. Imagine you just go to some university campus and you ask a bunch of students, you know, what defines a Jew? So is it, well, they keep kosher? Mm, okay. All right. Well, they help each other out a lot. Okay. A whole bunch of things. But what really defines a Yid, and it's really worth thinking about, what defines a Yid? A Yid is a being who his basic, in his basic level is Yechida. He is always at any moment, even though his life is not really necessarily up to par, on the level of his Yechida, he is ready for Kiddush Hashem. That is the definition of a Yid. And why? Because that part of his neshama, we said if something's connected to its source, it can never be defiled. And therefore, that part of him can never be defiled. Therefore, the whole person can never really be defiled. All the defilement is basically external, God forbid. So, um, I'm going to read a paragraph that's really pretty amazing. Okay. I'm going to read the words verbatim from the book. There exists a constant tension and pull for unity within the soul. So guess what the neshama wants to do? Only one thing. Be one with Hashem. It, that's what it wants. It's always pulling up, pushing up, you know, let me go, let me go to be free with Hashem. As we said, a yid is always ready for Kiddush Hashem. Even if he's not living, God forbid, not living a moral life or not living a life visibly of mitzvahs, of Torah mitzvahs, his, his neshama always wants one thing. Let me go and be free to be one with Hashem. As I'm going to read his words. He says, The drive for oneness represents the soul's true desire for wholeness via internal and external unity. The neshama wants oneness. And it wants to be whole. The neshama senses your neshama senses that I need to feel whole. 
because I need to feel one with Hashem. Otherwise, it's not working. The whole system isn't working. Give me what I want. I will only feel whole, says the neshama. If you could, so to speak, interview your neshama. Your neshama would say, say, what would you like? Your neshama would say, I want to feel whole and complete by being one with Hashem. Nothing else is worth much for me. I don't really value anything else. Can we buy you something? Can we this? Can we that? Don't waste your time. There's only one thing I want. You know, there's only one thing. We have a friend, Allah Shalom, a Shira Malkabas Alexander Asher, and she gets around her Shach Me'afar. Remember when she was going on Shaduchim? <laughs> the question she would ask was, so, um, this is her first, one of her first questions. So what's your relationship with Hashem? And she, and I remember she said, one, one Bachar said, that's a very personal question. So she thought, okay, forget that. Forget him. You know, Dr. Zelenko, in his book, Metamorphosis, he talks about different um, shidduchim that, you know, that he, different different people that he met through shidduchim and, and why he said no to them. He said, someone said to him, he, he asked one girl, so where do you live? And she said, somewhere between heaven and earth. And he said, okay, I think you should stay there. And he never called her back. <laughs> That's what he said. <laughs> so I shouldn't laugh. It's, but I remember with Shira Malka, she would say, what, what, what is your relationship with Hashem? Oops, I have to. So what does that mean, what is your relationship with Hashem? Yeah, I want to know. In other words, why? What do you mean? That's the only thing that's really interesting to me. Don't ask me how much money I make. Don't ask me, you know, do I want to live in a two-story house or a one-story house? I only care about one thing. What is your relationship with Hashem? And my neshama, I only care about one thing. What is my relationship with Hashem? So that isn't just some girl somewhere who, you know, a little bit interesting. That's every one of us. Our neshama says, I want one thing. I want to feel complete and whole. And I will do things on an internal level, an external level, to feel complete and whole, because I want to feel one with Hashem. That's it. Nothing else will satisfy me. And here I'm going to read from the book again. When the soul is whole, it, watch this. This is unbelievable, in my opinion, this, this statement. When the soul is whole, it creates the potential for all souls to metaphorically coalesce as one with each other. What does that mean in simple English? When your neshama is complete and doing what it craves to do, which is be one with Hashem, and is craving it desperately, when your neshama does that, it makes it possible for everybody else's neshama to become one unit. Well, that's interesting. So that means that if you want to, you know, gee, we need more unity in the world. We need more achtas. We need more achtas. We need more achtas. Right? So here there's a principle in Hasidus is brought out in this book. When your neshama becomes whole and when you experience, when you do what you do, let's say right now as we're learning, it's very easy when you're learning to feel your neshama feels like, ah, Ah, fresh air, thank God. Ah, what a breath of relief. So in these moments, 
your neshama feels whole. You're where you want to be. Your neshama is deeply satisfied, at least mine is. Deeply satisfied feels very complete. You know, I'm where I want to be. My neshama is where it wants to be, doing what it craves to do, experience Hashem. And the oneness of Hashem through the, the oneness of experience Hashem through Zaira, my neshama is getting what it wants. Great. That's good for me, right? Oh, it's way more than good for me. What it does is it enables all other neshamas, all other souls, to become one with each other. Just by me experiencing the unity with Hashem, somehow, because I guess we're all one piece, all Yidin are connected, and all neshamas are one piece, it may, if I experience unity with Hashem, it makes it possible for all other Yidin and all of other neshamas to experience unity with each other. And here's a, one more a blockbuster line. When all souls are one, this creates the potential for the nation of Israel to coalesce into oneness with God. What does that mean in simple English? So, if I reach a place where even for two minutes I feel that unity with Hashem and that complete, completeness in my, in my neshama, it enables all other neshamas to feel it too. And to feel as they're, that they're one unit with each other. Wow, that's a lot. And then when all those neshamas are one, it creates the potential for the yidden to be coalesced into oneness with Hashem, to become one with Hashem. So how do I create? Watch this. It's an incredible statement. How do I create achdus among the yidden? Go into that zone of unity with Hashem in my own life. It creates automatically achdus among the yidden. A lot easier. <laughs> It's a lot easier than making gatherings and, you know, in the hall and serving refreshments and, you know, we all talk about Aftas, isn't it? It's a lot cheaper. <laughs> you know, we make gatherings and we close off the boulevard and we close off the, you know, the, the parkway and we all gather together and we all watch, you know, etc. and we all say the come together, which is, is huge. But one of the things that's happening when we do all of that, you know, we make a live volume parade, Many things are happening. One is, besides everything else, my neshama is feeling that it's getting its food. It's, get, it's, it's experiencing its unity, its oneness. And that causes everybody else's neshama to feel the oneness with each other. And which then causes the potential for all yidden to experience the oneness with Hashem. So all yidden become one with Hashem when I become one when my neshama becomes one with Hashem, even if it's for a few seconds. That's a huge, that's a huge thing. So, um, so I'm going to derive something. This is my thought. This is not Dr. Zelenko's thought, but I'm going to derive the following, and we're going to end this recording, and then go on to the next one, which is more directly about blunt his teeth. So we look at people and we say, gee, they sure aren't acting very godly, are they? <laughs> oh, my, you know, you could have fooled me. It says that their neshama is totally one with Hashem. could have fooled me. They sure are acting uh, uh, not very mitzvah-like. They're, you know, no little mitzvah, mitzvah girls and mitzvah boys going on here. They don't seem to be doing the right thing. But really, there's a profound concept that I believe is hidden in here. If you reverse engineer, we know that by definition, we're saying, just to review, 
your neshama, the yechidah shebenefesh, no matter how bad you get, God forbid, it cannot ever be defiled. So the person who lives the most defiled life, God forbid, God forbid, still his yechidah never got defiled. That's why we say ma'ida'ani in the morning. We'll talk about that another time. The ma'ida'ani of a yid can never be defiled. Not it, it, it shouldn't be and it wouldn't be. It can't, 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 can't. The Yechidah Shebenefesh of every Yid cannot be defiled. There is a, pay, a part of every Yid that, no matter what he does, it, it is not defiled. And that's the alive part of him. And that's the part that we're being asked to step into as much as we can. That's the part, that's the Geula part. In Yemaisa Mashiach, clearly, in Mashiach times, we will live on that level of Yechidah, but in actual everyday life. You see Tzadikim, you see the Meishur of every generation. They live there in that place of Yechid Nefesh. They live there. So now, let's just say, so let's say you take, you know, Joe, uh, you know, uh, you know, Joe, uh, whatever his name is. And he's acting very ungodly, very unholy, very, not a mitzvah boy at all. Right? But his neshama is doing very well. His yechidah shebenefesh has never been defiled. And he wants to experience wholeness. So what happens is the, the neshama desperately wants to experience wholeness. When we feel wholeness, it's very, very, very pleasurable. And you can see today that people are very hedonistic. People are, you know, just, you know, give me pleasures of life. You know, let's buy this, indulge in that, drink this, eat that, do, go here, go there. Um, it feels like, oh, my goodness. Well, you're supposed to be one with Hashem and you're busy, you know, uh, decorating your house and figuring out which molding to use. That's me. Which molding to use and which color wall, you know, should use the which, which – today I have to decide, are we putting up brown curtain rod or white curtain rod? Oh, my goodness. Just – involve yourself in thinking about a sham what are you busy with the curtain rods but the neshama we have we need to be in this world but why but how does it sync up the neshama wants to feel complete and we will you will see that people will pretend we're doing very well people will do anything they can to feel okay to feel in the zone and sometimes they'll do not the most not the, the greatest things, but they want to feel complete. This is what it's saying here. And the Shema wants to feel complete. And sometimes we make the mistake. You know, let's, I'll say it in this way. I realize I'm talking a long time, but there is a woman, um, kind of a famous woman, and she, um, she was a big, uh, big person in NBC or CBS or one of those in the media. She was in the arts, the field of the art. So when it was time to, she became a Balas Shiva, and when it was time to look for a marriage partner, somebody sent her out on a Shidduch, and they said, oh, she's in, she's in the world of art. So they sent her out. They figured this would be so perfect. Art, art. You know, imagine also if, if it was somebody from a, uh, you know, who is a, very talented artist. But in her case, she was involved in the arts, you know, TV, arts. So they sent her out with a guy who sold um, 
paintings on the back of his pickup truck. Like he, he would drive around, he had, you know, he would sell, sell kind of knockoff paintings really cheap from the back of his truck. And, and the person who set it up thought, art and art. Isn't that a perfect shidduch? You know, he sells paintings. She's involved in the field of art, like art and art. It'll, it'll work well. They, 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 they didn't quite get it. They said, no, 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 no. You, you missed the point. It's a little more sophisticated than that. So our bodies are also feeling like they're feeling the neshama thing. I need wholeness. I need to feel in the zone. I need to feel that completeness and that wholeness. And it's a very pleasurable state to be in. So the body, the, the physicality of the person, will look for whatever it is. You know, ah, oh, that coffee. Oh, my goodness, it's amazing. My children used to say, to see their teacher, first thing in the morning, say to one of the boys, please go to, you know, get me a coffee. And you would come back, you know, go to the teacher's room, knock on the door, ask them if they can give you a coffee, whatever, you would come back. And he said they would watch how this teacher takes his first, he would say, Shahako, Bracha, he would take his first sip of coffee, and he would sit back and he would go, ah. And they would all, they would all copy it. This level of pleasure that they saw in him of how he would sit back, and you could just see, Kainug. This coffee, like, oh, this is life. It's a split second, right? The first sip of that amazing coffee. This is it. Because the, 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 the Yid experiences on the deepest level, their Nishamba says, when I'm one with Hashem, I feel, ah, oh, ah, oh, you know, a tiny And therefore, it will cause us to go after the wrong things. You know, the fake things, the coffee. No, no, the coffee's not going to do it. Or the curtain rods are like, the curtains are going to make my life good. You know, it's matched. Oh, my goodness, those curtains match so well with <laughs> with the other, you know, with the wall. Oh, my goodness, that, that picture frame. I gewalt, that sense of wholeness. But it looks like to me, I'm just saying, a yid will... His instinct has to be this that we just learned. The neshama, the soul, the neshama wants to feel whole. It wants to feel complete. And it senses why it wants to feel complete. Because it knows on some level that when the neshama feels whole and complete and in that tainuk, it will enable all other neshamas to feel that too and to unify and become in achdus with each other. Which is then, if, if, if we do that and it, and our neshama does that, our neshama feels complete, which makes all neshamas feel achsis with each other, which then makes us coalesce into one unit with Hashem. And that's the ultimate goal. All yidden being one with Hashem and experiencing the oneness with Hashem, just like when we stood at Har Sinai and we said, Nasav Anishma, we felt Hashem and us is one piece. That's it. Indivisible. One piece. So every Yid Neshama experiences that instinct. And sometimes when we don't know how to get there the real way, as we see in life, we get there the backwards way. It's not the real way, but it's kind of a cheap imitation. A feeling like, ah, oh, that picture frame goes so well on the wall. Ah, that coffee tastes so good. Ah. 
And really, probably it's coming from the neshama's instinct that it wants to feel that, but couldn't quite get there. So I took the picture frame instead. So why am I saying this? It's not that we want to get stuck with the picture frames, but we want to be malamed slip on other yidn when we feel like, oh, disgusting. I'm learning my marama. What are they doing? They're busy with their picture frames. Hey, you know, they're, busy. they're busy in Walmart a whole day. Hey, disgusting. Hey, they should learn my marum like me. Right? Maybe. I don't know. But, but it's all coming from the same instinct. And we want to be malamed slip on yidn. It's all coming from the same instinct of the of the neshama of the soul that it wants to feel in the zone, complete, and it feels complete in that oneness with Hashem. And that's where we're going to in Mashiach times that oneness with Hashem, and we feel the burning need for it now, which motivates us to do <laughs> some strange things in our lives. But the ultimate motivation probably comes from the very powerful place. And just to end off, because today, we're at a time when it looks like people are um, not nearly as holy as they were in other generations in the way they act. Yeah. But the neshama has, through for, for many reasons, been brought much closer to the surface. All the Kiddush Hashem, all the misses, all the very misses, everything that was done, all the generations, all the revelation of Pini Satira, um, the Maishrabeinu of the generation, the Nathidor, and all that going into the light of Mashiach pulling us, all of that stuff has essentially pulled, uh, and, and as it says in Kuntras Purim Katan, that you see that our Neshama, which used to be deep, deep inside, is being pulled out to the surface. And what we're feeling is this intense need to pursue that unity with Hashem. Whether we're conscious of it or not, we're probably not conscious of it. But that's what's really behind the scenes. So we want to be Malamut Swift on every yet and saying, they're really, they're trying their best. They'll get there. We're all, all, ro- all roads learn, all roads lead, not to Rome, all roads lead to Yerushalayim. All roads lead to Mashiach times. Everybody's getting there in their own way. Some in a more nicer looking way and some in a less. But we're, get, we're getting there. So in the next audio, we're going to talk about, and what if you have this disconnect? So then you blunt your teeth, and we'll talk about that in a few minutes. So, he Rasen, may it be that, that our neshamas should just shine right through, and the unity that we're craving so much, it should just be there in the whole world and create a unity in all, and eradicate all evil and create a unity in the entire world Yidden and Lahavdil, all, all, all nations of the world should also experience that need. What we experienced all through the generations and they laughed at us or worse, that from seeing our light, they should now step into a place where they also want unity with Hashem in their own way, so that the whole world will say, Hashem Echad, Yishma Echad, and may it be immediately now.